You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Today's special episode is the second of a three-part collaboration with Fabulously Delicious. In the last episode, I talked all about what American founding father Thomas Jefferson saw in Paris. In this episode, Andrew Pryor talks about the most important thing that he brought back to the United States, French cuisine. Andrew is a cook par excellence, having been on MasterChef Australia. He currently lives in France, where he hosts Fabulously Delicious, the show that teaches that whatever you do, do it fabulously. Bonjour, Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast is a podcast that's all about the cuisine that is said to have founded modern cooking. French ingredients and dishes have been the starting block for many of the world's best chefs and cooks. On Fabulously Delicious, you'll learn all about those dishes and ingredients, as well as get to know more about fabulous French foodies. I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Enchanté. Ten years ago, my life changed when I competed on MasterChef Australia, and now I'm living my best life right here in the French countryside. Here, life is all about cooking, eating, meeting wonderful food producers, chefs, home cooks, drinking amazing wines, eating some of the over, would you believe, 1,500 French cheeses, and sharing these fabulous experiences with you, my fabulously delicious audience. I hope you're enjoying them. Today, we are learning all about the man that was the first American to be trained as a French chef. He was a slave most of his young life and managed to become literate, fluent in French, and the creator of many dishes important to both French and American cuisine today. Sit back. Turn the volume up. If you're not driving, pour yourself a glass of wine, break a baguette, add a bit of saucisson maybe, some of that delicious cheese, and enjoy today's episode of Fabulously Delicious, the story of James Hemmings. James Hemmings was born into slavery in 1765 at the Forest Plantation in Virginia, owned by his father. James's mother was Betty Hemmings, who was the mixed-race daughter of an enslaved African mother and an English sea captain. John Wales was James's father. He took Betty as a forced concubine after he was widowed three times. His abuse of James' mother, Betty, lasted 12 years, and she had six children, including James, with this man. At just the young age of eight years old, James Hemmings was purchased by Thomas Jefferson at his residence of Monticello. Monticello was the primary plantation that Jefferson, the future ambassador to France for the United States, and of course the future third president of the United States, owned. Jefferson began designing Monticello at the age of 14, after he inherited the land from his father. It's located just outside of Charleston in Virginia, and is around 5,000 acres in size. 
Hemmings was the older brother of Sally Hemmings. Both Sally and James were half-siblings of Jefferson's wife, Martha. Upon the death of Martha, Sally travelled with Jefferson to France to look after Jefferson's daughter, also named Martha, and Sally's niece, of course. In Paris, Sally became his lover. In France, though, Sally was considered a free woman, but agreed to return to Virginia with Jefferson as a slave and lover as long as any of their children that they would have would be freed persons. James Hemmings, in his teen years, worked as the riding valet to Jefferson. And in 1781, James and his brother Robert took Jefferson's wife and children to safety when British troops invaded Richmond. When Jefferson was appointed Minister Plenipotentiary to the Court of Versailles, he took James Hemmings with him as his personal valet. Hemmings was 19 years old at the time. Jefferson became a lover of French food and cuisine. And, of course, this was the time of much change in Paris and France relating to food. After the revolutions, chefs who had worked exclusively for the rich and nobility were out of work and so set up restaurants in major cities, especially Paris. This is where the restaurant culture we know today started. Hemmings was to be trained as a French chef there because of Jefferson's newfound love of French cuisine. This would mean that James would become the first recorded American to be trained as a French chef. During this time, Hemmings studied cooking and apprenticed to pastry chefs and other specialists in the kitchen. He worked for the chef of Prince de Condé. He was the last Prince of Condé, who had had no heir since the execution of his son, the Duke of Arnheim, in 1804, by Napoleon. Hemmings worked at the Chateau Chantilly. He is credited with bringing whipped cream to the US, and in France, this would have been known as Chantilly cream and probably this was the inspiration for him. During this time, at Chantilly, it was noted that the table of the Chateau of de Chantilly was even better than that of Versailles, the royal residence. After this training, Hemmings would finally earn the role of chef de cuisine in Jefferson's kitchen on the Champs-Élysées. As was the custom at the time, the chef has the chance to sell the kitchen offal for his own financial gain. This is how Hemmings managed to profit from this position. Chef de cuisine is the French term for the head of the kitchen. The chef de cuisine is in charge of all activities relating to the kitchen, which usually includes creating menus, managing kitchen staff, ordering and purchasing stock and equipment, plating design, enforcing nutrition, safety and sanitation, and ensuring the quality of meals that are served. James became the chef de cuisine within three years of training. Hemmings would serve his creations to many European aristocrats, writers, scientists, and dignitaries that Jefferson would invite for dinner. Hemmings, of course, brought back to America upon his return to the US many French dishes and also inspired many new recipes that came from his experience in France. Some of the recipes he brought back to the US were creme brulee, meringue, french fries, 
snow eggs or il flotant as we know them in France, and the one he invented, most would say, it's not really French at all, but macaroni and cheese. During his time in France, he learned a French dish of pasta and cheese that he called at the time macaroni pie. This is the dish that would then evolve into what we around the world would call macaroni and cheese, and many of us, including myself, would wrongly mistake as an Italian originating dish, rather than one created by a slave in France, inspired by French cuisine for a future American president. One of many would say injustices to Hemming's career and his life is that mac and cheese was incorrectly attributed to Thomas Jefferson's cousin, Mary Randolph, as she included the recipe in her housekeeping book, The Virginia Housewife. Thankfully, this is now being corrected and people know that it was Hemmings and his hard work that created this dish. Fabulously Delicious is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Check out other fabulous shows at evergreenpodcast.com. If you're enjoying this episode, then you should check out more of the Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast, the story of series. We talked about other fabulous chefs that have made history in one way or another in French food. Some of the many people we discovered have been the father of French cooking, some would say, Marie-Antoine Carême, Auguste Escoffier, who set up the working processes in today's commercial kitchens. Eugène Brazier, who many would say is the mother of French cooking. And another fabulous French woman, who founded the acclaimed Le Cordon Bleu, Elizabeth Brassard. To learn more about these fabulous friendships and cooks and their stories, please check out Fabulously Delicious, the French Food Podcast and search the story of. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor. Factor provides fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Factor includes a variety of plans, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, among others. Factor is perfect for a busy routine, with high-quality, healthy food that fits into your daily schedule. Mouth-watering dishes like chicken and mushroom tetrazzini, cavatappi and Italian-style pork ragu, and artichoke and spinach chicken are all on this week's menu, and you don't want to miss out on those. In addition to savory meals, Factor offers snacks and wellness shots, the latter of which has become a personal favorite of mine. Go to factormeals.com slash frenchhistory50 and use the code FRENCHHISTORY50 to get 50% off Factor Meals. That again is factormeals.com slash FRENCHHISTORY50 and use the code FRENCHHISTORY50. Sign up today. Your stomach will thank you. Even though Hemings was a free man in France, he returned with Jefferson to the U.S., Many think this is because of his family relationship with Jefferson and the many relatives still back at the Monticello plantation. In France, though, he was a paid servant, not a slave. He was paid $4 a month 
and upon his return to the US when he worked for Jefferson in Philadelphia, Jefferson continued to pay Hemingson's wage for his work as a chef. A note to Hemings' nature is that during this time in France, remember he was considered a free person in France at the time and paid as a servant, not a slave, Hemings independently, with his own money, took lessons to learn how to speak French and eventually would become fluent. During Hemings' time as a chef for Jefferson, when he was back in the US, he would be the chef for what is considered one of America's most famous dinners. As Secretary of State, Jefferson had a dinner on the 20th of June, 1790, dubbed a meal to save the Union. The guest list included Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, and they agreed, along with Jefferson, to establish Washington, D.C. as the permanent capital in exchange for the federal government assuming the debt of the states. They drank French wine, Hermitage to be exact, ate chapon and chestnut simmered in cream, root vegetables roasted in olive oil, braised beef in red wine and herbs, the aroma of which infused into the room. No servants were used for this meal, instead, the four-course menu was served by dumb waiters, which Jefferson was attributed to bringing to the US from France. The first course was a green salad that was dressed with a wine jelly that was made from Madeira, milk, lemon juice, sugar and gelatine, which was served with a white wine from Bordeaux. The second course was the chapon that was stuffed with Virginia ham, a chestnut puree, artichokes and truffles that had been soaked in chipkin broth, white wine and cream. This was served with a reduction of calvados and a flambéed brandy for a bit of pizzazz. The third course, prepared by Hemmings, was a boeuf à la mode, a rich beef roast braised in wine, brandy, tomatoes and herbs. This was served with a bottle of Chambertin, a dark, complex, Grand Cru Burgundy, known as the King of Wines. Then they had a palate cleanser of meringues and macarons, and then the final dessert, which was a vanilla ice cream encased in warm puff pastry in the style of what we now know as a baked Alaska. This dessert, Jefferson would request Hemmings to make on special occasions to impress his guests. This was served with a glass of champagne. Over brandy, these men would, as you can imagine, would have sat back in a parlour, working on finalising what had been negotiated and discussed over dinner, with Jefferson being hailed for the evening's success. But it would be said, possibly, that the meal itself would not have been such a success, and America, if not the world, a different place, if it wasn't for the food cooked, menu planned, and the talent of Hemmings and his love of French food and skill in making it. In 1796, at the age of 31, Hemings gained his freedom from Jefferson as a slave. 
The downside to this freedom, though, was that Hemings had to train his brother, Peter, as a chef to replace him in serving Jefferson. This was a three-year process. But finally, Hemings left Monticello with his freedom and, for the five years' work, $30 in his pocket. Jefferson wrote in 1793 regarding Hemings requesting and negotiating his freedom. Having been at great expense in having James Hemings taught the art of cookery, desiring to befriend him and to require from him as little in return as possible, I hereby do promise and declare that if the said Hemings should go with me to Monticello in the course of the ensuing winter, when I go to reside there myself, and shall there continue until he shall have taught such person as I shall place under him, for the purpose to be a good cook. This previous condition being performed, he shall thereupon be made free. At the time of his freedom, Hemings was literate. His handwritten note of the inventory of kitchen supplies before he left Monticello is in the Library of Congress, along with recipes and other writings. Hemings was also fluent in French. After some travel around Europe, Hemings eventually returned to the US and worked in Philadelphia as a cook. Jefferson tried several times upon hearing how Hemings returned to the US to get him to work for him at the White House. Hemings declined each time. On one occasion, Hemings requested that Jefferson put his invitation for work and the conditions in writing and he would agree, but Jefferson never did this. Hemings never married, nor did he have any children. He moved to Baltimore, and in Baltimore, he was working in a kitchen. At the age of 36, Hemings passed away. It is recorded that he died at his own hands in its suicide attempt. A tragic end to life, thought to have been brought on by alcohol. James Hemings' culinary legacy was unacknowledged for over two centuries until research from modern-day chefs and culinary historians revealed his role in blending Virginian, French and African recipes, which we would now think of as American cuisine. Not knowing when he died or possibly even throughout his life how much of his skill and talent and life would be contributed to not only American cuisine, but also how important a figure he would be in French cuisine and French food history. James Hemings is the chef that brought so much to us all and will always be an essential figure in the history of French chefs and cooks. A head chef or chef de cuisine. That's it for another episode of Season 3 of Fabulously Delicious. I hope you're enjoying this episode in collaboration with Gary from the French History Podcast. What's the most fabulous thing you've learned from today's episode? Let me know by contacting me via Instagram. You can slide into my DMs at Andrew Pryor Fabulously, or you can email me on contact at andrewpryorfabulously.com. I'd love to chat with you all. We could just have a chat about France and French food if you want. Wherever you're in the US or wherever it is that you live, I love talking to people about food and especially French food. 
Thank you for listening. And remember, you know what my motto is. Whatever you do, do it fabulously. Merci beaucoup and bon app. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.